Hello and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. I am Amy Gray Cunningham, and I thank you all for joining me today for another amazing episode. And you're in for a great conversation today because I am chatting with Miss Megan Onan about what it's like to be gay in today's world and what it was like for her coming out of the closet. We talk about her mental, emotional, and spiritual journey to self-love. It's an inspiring episode because she talks uncandidly about how her decision shook up her life and also those around her, and that by going home to Mississippi was the best decision she ever made for herself. And next Sunday, I talk with the amazing Miss Kim Harner who is the author of 100 Acts of Love, where she guides people, get this everyone, on how to support someone who has lost a loved one. Kim's husband passed away at the age of only 44. And when she was going through her grieving process, she realized that although her friends were trying really hard to support her, they didn't really know what to do or how to help her. So she wrote this book to help people understand what it's like to go through the grieving process and what to say, what not to say, how to do things, what to do in order to support the ones that you love. Because we just don't talk about death and grief and the grieving process in our world today. And in this episode, that's exactly what Kim and I do. We talk about the death of her beloved husband and how it transformed her life into the acts of service that she does today. So please don't miss this exciting episode on Sunday, September 25th, on Sunday, September 25th at 9 a.m. Eastern. And also, as always, please, if you like these episodes, please subscribe to Apple or whatever app that you're listening to this podcast on. And also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok. All of the links are provided in the show notes, and you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at butterflykissespodcast.com. This way you won't miss it when another episode is available. And also, if you like what you hear on this episode of Butterfly Kisses today, please leave us a review. Five stars would be awesome. And also share it with your friends and family. The more as I always say every week, the more we can inspire others to share and shine their light, the more of an impact we can make on the world. So now please help me welcome Miss Megan Onan. Megan, thank you for joining us today on Butterfly Kisses. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yes. So tell us a little bit about who you are. You live in the heart of Mississippi. Yes, I do. I do. I, uh, I grew up here for the most part. Well, my, my parents grew up in Kentucky and moved us here when I was around seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I ended up going to college at Mississippi state, which is in Starkville, which is my hometown. Wow. Okay. So I went, played basketball and softball at Mississippi state, went to graduate school at Mississippi state, and then had a big turning port when I came out of the closet and had a really hard time during that time period, as far as just dealing with spiritual community here and telling my family and just the whole, the whole experience was very traumatic for me. And I ended up leaving Mississippi about a year later to get outside of the pressure of culture and society here. 
to mm-hmm. really find myself and and find a way to be myself. And so I, I left for a while. I ended up at Florida State and then Miami and then in Colorado. And Colorado is where I met my my wife 14 years ago. And it's where I published my first book. And about two years after meeting my wife, we got into this point where I had gotten to this point personally where I realized that you know, life was going well for me and I really liked it and I had great friends and great support, but there was just still something inside of me that was needing to be healed. And it became very clear that until I came back to Mississippi to face my fears around being authentic and being here and being present, that I wasn't going to be able to have the fulfilling and whole life that I wanted. And it was a very scary thought at the time. And that was in 2010, but we took the leap and Claire and my wife who had never been to the South moved down here with me and we've been here for 12 years now and now we have a beautiful little girl who's three years old and we just live a very I like to say a very charmed life it has been really hard and really painful and tough to face things over the years and have hard conversations but it's all been a part of what I needed to do for myself, for my own healing and my own journey. And just at this place now where everything feels very sound and grounded and we just, we get to choose in, I don't know, we're just in this very empowered place now. And it's just really nice to be here, but it has definitely been a, a, a journey. Do you think that you could have done that or or received that kind of life just let me see if I can explain or ask this question correctly you came back to Mississippi to face these fears right could you have just faced those fears where you were at and just worked through that why why go back to Mississippi why go back to I think I would have faced them but it would have taken me a lot longer It was one of those things that's like, if I don't immerse myself and deal with this now, every time I come back, you know, I was was coming back to visit my family and they were visiting me, but there was always just this missing piece. There wasn't like that, that time together that was long enough to get to the hard conversations. It was always just, we're here for a short time. It's exciting. We're not going to talk about anything tough. I wasn't going to have to face, it was easy to be myself in Colorado because it was a more accepting place or in Florida or whatever. And I was able to start fresh and start over and no one knew who I had been before. And Mm -hmm. so I really, for me, and this isn't, you know, I wouldn't say to everyone, go back to the place where you experienced trauma. For me, that's what I needed to do. And, Mm -hmm. and so that's, it was just a very strong vision from God, like from spirit, like you have to go back if you want to heal. And I literally just listened to the calling, not knowing at all, you know, what it was going to mean entirely for me, but it has been the best decision. And one that I do not regret. We have our home and our life and our businesses here. Our families are here. Claire's mom moved here from Seattle and Merritt, our little girl, her donor and his family are here. They're part of her life. And so we have a very full, very we're in a community that loves us and accepts us. And so, you know, we've built a life that, that is full of meaning and purpose for us. And I think I could have done that somewhere else, but it wouldn't have been as deep as it is for me here. Wow. That's amazing. 
Congratulations. Well, thank you. It's been, it's been hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's been hard. And that, and that's, that's part of the spiritual transformation and the spiritual journey. It's going through the goo process of becoming the butterfly. The caterpillar has to go through the crawling on the belly and going through the the hard part of being the bella butterfly and then going into the cocoon process and literally transfer the goo process is the hardest part of becoming the butterfly and then they become the most beautiful and magnificent creature and that butterfly can literally change the 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 structure the air by flapping its wings on one side of the world and changing the the weather pattern on the other side of the world just by flapping its wings that's just incredible and it's a beautiful imagery for oh i just love that thank you so i mean you are the butterfly (laughs) and you continue to do that by sharing your story with people and and your journey Well, that's, and that's been a super important part of my journey has been sharing my story. And I think you, you had mentioned that I'm a storytelling expert and I attribute a lot of my healing to storytelling, to sharing myself and being vulnerable over the years with different audiences in Mississippi, because it's given people a chance to hear someone's heart and what I went through and it created conversation and connection because of that. So stories are powerful, powerful tool for connection and cooperation. And you said, and you tell in, in the book here, it talks about who am I to tell someone else what their sin is and what the heck, who are we to tell anyone if their choice is or isn't okay? <laughs> I mean, I highlighted yeah. that, underlined that. <laughs> I'm like, who, who are we to, to do that? And, and, and then you go on to say, and I didn't see it then, but in loving them and not agreeing with their choice, I was putting up qualifiers around my love and judging their choice as not okay. Right. Love sees only love. Love is always supportive, respectful, accepting, honest, and willing. It doesn't use qualifiers like, but. So I wasn't really loving them, at least not in the way I see love. And for you, you were talking about in the book that you would talk about people would come up to you and say, Megan, I love you, but I love the sin or I love the sinner, but not the sin. Right. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of the birth of this book came from that experience. Courage agreeing to disagree is not enough because being on the receiving end of that it doesn't feel like unconditional love. And then it creates this wall between myself and this other person and attention in that relationship where I don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's something, especially when I first started coming out and experiencing this, like, and like droves of people saying the same thing to me, it was like who I had been as a person didn't matter anymore. It's like, I suddenly became a label. Mm-hmm. And who I was beyond that was forgotten because all they saw was the label, the sin, whatever, whatever their perception was at, at the time and all in good intention. I know they were mm-hmm. doing it from love, but it wasn't loving for me. And so I've really tried to pay attention to myself going forward and not reciprocating that kind of love to other people. And I know I have, 
And I've got a million stories to back that up, but it, but it is my driving force. And it is the, the one thing that is really important to me in any work that I do or in my relationships with my family. And it's just, am I seeing them for who they are? Am I actually being present enough that I can only see love in them? And so that can be hard when you disagree on things. I don't, I just, I don't agree with everything every one of my family members believes, mm-hmm. but can I see beyond that? And you can, like, we can do it. We just don't want to, because we're, we're, we're attached to our own reasons for control and a need to see the world. So we're all different for a reason. And I'm a huge advocate for live and let live just because I know what it feels like to be the one that wasn't allowed to let live. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because everyone has their own experiences, their own beliefs, their own way of looking at things. Yeah. Everybody feels they're absolutely right and they're right in their own beliefs. And for all intents and purposes, they really are because that's the way they were raised. That's the way they believe. And for them, that is completely accurate. And that is completely 100%. Yeah. And then you have somebody else who comes along and they were raised a completely different way and they have a completely different belief. They come from a completely different world. There's, there's people that live in rural areas in a completely different country who's never seen a cell phone. Right. (laughs) They have absolutely no clue what a cell phone is. Yeah. And until it comes into their their view and their perspective, they have no idea what it is. Yep. And then how does it shift their view and their perspective once they get to know it? So it's, it's so complicated. Yeah. It can become so complicated. I mean, the answer is so simple, be present, listen, and try to put your own filters away and just be with that person and see what you see. But it's, it's hard when, when things are so charged and we all think we know the answers to how the world or how things should go, how policy should change or should not change. We're we're all having these very important discussions right now and can get very caught up in the details and forget the basic necessity, which is to be with each other and love and and be in that kind of energy so that it can then reach out and and flap its wings and and go further. So it's so easy to get caught up in fear and, and not love. So... Did you ever think 14 years ago that you would be in the place that you're in now? I hoped I would. I, I wanted it badly. There was a time and it was around 2008, right before I met my wife. And I was just in this really bad place. I mean, just really low, super depressed, got out of a bad, emotionally abusive relationship And I just, I went down to a place called Horsetooth Reservoir in Fort Collins, Colorado, and went down near the water in the reservoir and just remember looking up at the sky and screaming at universe. I just want to love the way that I love. And it was just this calling out and this knowing that I deserved it. And I had no idea how I was going to get it. And at the time I didn't mean a partner. I just meant I just wanted that kind of love in my life. I wanted what I gave to come back to me. And it meant 
years of being able to receive it and let it in. And so breaking down my own walls so that I could then let love in. But that was, that was a turning point for me in just calling it out and then just trying to trust one step after the other, where I needed to go and what I needed to do. And so, like I said before, it's been a journey and it's something I believed in deeply. I knew I could have it, but I didn't know what it was going to look like at all. Mm -hmm. Do you think that our world, our community, our livelihood, our lives could in 14 years from now look more like your life now than it did 14 years ago? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Same answer. I I think we all have to want it so badly that we're willing to look at ourselves and we're willing to do the work we need to do so that we are not living in fear about every little thing that's happening, but it's going to take a collective consciousness basically to, to do that. And I mean, I'm constantly working on myself and my wife is constantly working on herself. We're constantly working on our relationship. So I feel like the simple thing for people to do is just focus on your little family, focus on your community and do your best to have the best relationships possible and have those hard conversations and focus on just putting love and into those. And I feel like it's reachable if we can just focus there instead of focusing focusing so outward on what we think the answers are, because I mean, who knows what it's going to be like in 14 years, but if we all had that intimate and that kind of intention, intimate of a focus and intention, I think that would be really meaningful for change and for wholeness for all of us and connection going forward. Well, that, that brings it. How do you go about having those type of conversations, especially with somebody who may or may not necessarily want to have a hard conversation with you? It's a great question. And, and that's true. Not everybody is willing to, and that's okay. You know, everybody needs to have their process and their time. And some people aren't ready and maybe they'll be ready in a couple of years and maybe they won't. And we have to give people that freedom. But for me, what has worked over the years is, and I've had a lot of people who haven't been really ready to have those conversations with me and, you know, and we haven't spoken since, and that's okay. Like we have to be okay with the fluidity of, of relationships and how, you know, you can put your best foot forward and be there and be present, but not everybody's willing to receive that. And, but I think for me, what's worked over the years, just being very intentional about sharing my story from my perspective in my feelings, my emotions. And this is counseling 101 Mm -hmm. in a way, but it really is the best way to connect with someone else is, is especially if it's around a hard concept like LGBTQ, gay marriage, those kinds of things, the kinds of conversations I've been having over the years in Mississippi with politicians and ministers and university representatives. I always just put my foot forward and said, hey, this was my experience. This is what it felt like. And I left the door open for, you know, I didn't say this is how things should be. I didn't blame and say, this is your fault. I just said, this was my experience and this is how I was hurt. What can we do going forward? How can we work together? And then they would share their stories and they would open their heart to me. And then we were able to bridge the gap from there. And so that's how I approach tough situations and why I love storytelling so much and why it's become 
my career is because I've seen the power of how it opens doors instead of closing them. What kind of bridges have you been able to cross or let's see, well, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple. So one is a personal relationship with my mom. And I think in the book, it's the letters that we exchanged. I had gotten to this point in our relationship where things still felt hard and I had perceived my coming out experience as one where I felt like I was rejected in a sense, even though she didn't shun me, she didn't push me away and all of that. She, she was emotionally distant just to deal with her own stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we both wrote letters to each other about my coming out date and our own perceptions and our own experiences and our own feelings. And we exchanged the letters and then we had a follow-up conversation, which was really powerful for me because it made me realize that she was in fear for me. She was in fear for how I was going to be treated. And I didn't realize the magnitude of that for her until I read that letter. And I was able to tell her, Hey mom, I felt rejected in that moment. And she was able to say, Hey, I'm really sorry. That's not, that's not what I was doing. I was just really scared. And so there was this really hard conversation and we chose to do it in our own way that was meaningful for us because we're both writers and we made a lot of headway there and, and had a lot of healing from there. And we're like best friends. We've always been best friends, but we just had some really tough years and we both wanted to get back to that. So that's how we dealt with that. Another one is Startville wanted to have its first pride parade. And this is a bigger sense, another mm -hmm. example. And the parade permit got shut down by the city council. This is in 2018. So this wasn't that long ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it became a national news big deal. We started getting support from everywhere. And the city council was going to vote on this permit again. And the LGBTQ community asked me to speak to the city council before the vote. So I was going to be the very last speaker. I had 10 minutes and I had to put my best foot forward on the panel was someone from my high school who was vehemently against any LGBTQ rights related. And we had our mayor who was at the forefront, who was actually gay. And it was just this wide range of a panel of people. Two of them wouldn't even look at me. And, and I really just told my story and it opened the doors for a flood of conversations afterwards. And they ended up voting the permit through and we had our parade. But I, I came at that speech from a perspective of, I want to build a bridge here. What do I need to say to build a bridge here? And so that's how I approached it was through sharing my story, offering to welcome anyone who wanted to walk in the parade with us and basically just saying, isn't it time that we all just stand together and find a way to support each other? And it, I just, I had like the Catholic priest came to my office one day and just sat down and said, hey, I want to help. What can I do? What can our congregation do to help your community feel more validated? And then another Baptist minister, same thing, messaged me on Facebook. Hey, you know, I'm really sorry you had that experience. What can I do to help? in my congregation to help my community feel more validated. And so there was just this trickling in of people who wanted to help. And, and it was just that 10 minutes of just being honest and being open and being vulnerable that all of these conversations flooded in that were 
just really healing for me. And I was just very impressed, but I, I think once you open your heart and you're vulnerable, you invite the same. I think it's just an energy exchange. People want that deep emotional connection. We all savor that and want it so badly that we're so scared of it. And until somebody opens the floodgates, no one else is going to walk through because most people are scared to start the conversation. Wow. That is. Yeah. Because a lot of times people are so afraid to say, Hey, I, I need this. I want love. I want acceptance. I want validation because they're so ready. Sometimes the loudest voice is the one that is screaming the fear. Yeah. And it's the easiest bandwagon, I guess, to jump on. Yeah. Cause you feel a sense of control there. You know where you're headed, (laughs) you know, with love, (laughs) you don't know where you're headed. Which is so crazy to think about because that's what we all want. It is. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy? It blows my mind. (laughs) We're such complicated beings, but the answers are so simple. Yeah. We got to get our brains out of the way sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how do you handle people who nowadays, I mean, knowing where you, where you come from, how do you handle people who are hostile towards you or are throwing, you know, negative comments towards you? How do you handle them in a, in a public situation or, or a private situation for that matter? I actually don't get much anymore. And I don't know if it's awesome. just because I've put out so much content, they know who I am and they know like what I'm going to say and how I feel about things. And I've done enough public speaking and interviews over the years that I've gotten to this point. It's like, this is who I am. So, you know, on social media, this is who I am. Like I look at my website, this is who I am. And so I, I don't get a lot of that anymore, which is really nice to have a break. I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure as this book comes out, it may change things, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. But if, if someone were to come to me now and say something that was said to me when I came out of the closet, it just wouldn't face me. I've worked through it enough. I've faced it enough. It just, it would be okay. I'd be like, all right. It just would yeah. not face me. That's a great place to be on. Yeah, it really is. It is very yeah. freeing. What kind of world do you want for Merit when she becomes 20 or 25? Mm. What would you like the world to look like for her? I, I want her to be happy and I want her to feel that wholeness is possible for her too. And I want her to know that she can do anything she wants to do as long as she just sets the intention and focuses and goes after it. Like you can have anything in the world you want, just do it. And I hope that she lives in a world where she's supported as a woman. She's supported as someone who's been a part of an LGBTQ plus family being raised by two moms. And I hope that she feels safe enough to use her voice and and be proud of whatever that is. I hope so too. That's uh, what I want for my boys. How old are your boys? Well, they're 27 and 26 now. So <laughs> <laughs> those mid twenties are hard. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're still coming into themselves, but they're getting there. They're getting there. 
That's awesome. But well, and and one of the things that I ask a lot of a lot of people who have come through trauma and tragedy, would you change how things have happened to get to where you're at now? The the journey that you've gone through. I don't think so. No, I mean, I wish I would have believed in myself more earlier on. I think if there was anything that I could change, that would be it. I wouldn't change how things happened. I just wish my internal world and my beliefs in myself were stronger in the beginning and that I didn't, that it didn't, that it wasn't so hard for me to believe again. That's the only thing that would be nice to have see different, but there was also a part of the journey, but I wouldn't change like the path because I don't think I'd be here now if anything had been different along the way. Any of the choices that you've made. Yeah. That's so beautiful. What about forgiveness? Cause we were talking about forgiveness earlier. What, how has forgiveness played a role in your life in the choices that you've made and the path that you've gone down, how it was forgiveness, forgiving those that have hurt you and forgiving yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big one is forgiving yourself. Right. I think for me, there's a story I tell, I don't know if it's in that book, but it's definitely in the new book that the, the hardest part of my coming out day was being confronted by my spiritual mentors from the fellowship of Christian athletes at Mississippi state. And them sitting me down in the chapel and giving me this whole talk with quotes. And then I was going to hell and just this whole experience of just feeling smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and less than as they kept talking. And then finally surviving, listening to it, not saying a word the whole time, starting to leave the chapel. And then they get to the point where they say, okay, Megan, so are you still in a relationship with a woman? And at the time I was but I just wanted to get out of that dynamic. And so I lied in that moment and I said, no. And it ended the conversation and moved things along so that I could just go be. But I think if there are, it, it was that, I wish I had just said yes, mm-hmm. because the sin then, quote, quote, I use quotations there, obviously, yeah. but nobody else can see that. So the sin for me was that, that I, when it gets to who I am, I have lied about who I am so much over the years and, and developed such a deep wound of shame that I then had to climb out of. And so to forgive myself for not just owning who I was, you know, I understand it because it was a traumatic thing that I went through and I was trying to protect myself. And I was trying to survive, but I also have had to work through forgiving myself of not just saying, Hey, I'm Megan. I'm gay. Yes. I have a girlfriend. And and when we first moved to Mississippi, I hid my wife from our landlord. You know, I was still so full of shame and so scared of how I was going to be treated in my hometown again, that I just, I could not see outside of that. And so it just took a lot of courage to work through that and get out of that habit of lying about who I was so that I could start believing in myself again. And so there's been a lot of self-forgiveness work just around that being authentic, being myself, being who I am. And then there's also that other piece of forgiving others for how they treated me 
and revisiting some of those past relationships and having some of those harder conversations. I'd spoke at uh, National Coming Out Day at Mississippi State, the very first one in 2013, which landed me a front page article in the local newspaper, which then <laughs> led to a phone call from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes director, who was a different person, to wow. apologize, officially apologize for how I'd been treated because I was very vocal about it. And I just told my story. I wasn't being mean. I just told my story. I just told the truth. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being like, we developed a relationship. We met several times. We talked through things. And so I, I say all that to say that storytelling has given me the opportunity to find forgiveness for others as well. And for every speech I've given and told my story, I've got a Christian coming up to me to say, I'm sorry, you were treated that way. And so it's, it's just been a journey of like realizing that everyone's a human being and everyone's doing the best they can. I'm doing the best I can. I don't always do everything wonderfully and not everyone else is going to either. And it's a journey for all of us. And I just try to walk around with a forgiving heart always, because I know sometimes you're just having a bad day mm -hmm. and we're all just trying to get through the moment sometimes. Sometimes that's all we could do is just get through the moment. Yep. Yep. What is, if someone is in a position where they have to have a tough conversation with someone, a loved one or a coworker or someone that they feel they need to have this conversation with, whether it's whatever tough conversation they need to have, what is one thing that you would suggest they do? in order to be authentic, help them with their story. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of things you can do. I, uh, you know, one of the things that I often ask myself before I have a hard conversation with someone is like, have I owned that part of myself? Like, am I good? No matter their response, like, am I okay? No matter what they say. And if I'm not okay, what do I need to do before I become okay? And so that's, that's one of the big things is like, have I accepted this story? Have I accepted that this happened that made this relationship tough? And so I always say like, own it first, like accept it, own it first and make sure you've gone through that. So that when you get to the tough conversation, you're okay with whatever transpires. Because sometimes, like you said, some people aren't ready for the tough conversation. Yeah. And some people aren't willing to open up. I think if you come into a tough conversation with that energy and you're willing to share your story with your true feelings and emotions and be completely vulnerable, most of the time people will respond and open up and you can have a, a very meaningful and healing conversation. But sometimes people can't do that work and some people just are not ready to go there. Um, but I guess you could always preface it too with, um, I really need to have a hard conversation with you when would be a good time. And then that way they know it's coming. You're not just throwing it at someone like I prefaced to my mom about the tough conversation we had. Hey, I need to talk about this. What if we do it this way? Maybe there's a better way. Maybe you need to write letters to each other and share your experience around a certain story that happened. There's a lot of ways. Be creative with it if you're unsure. And, but no, going into the conversation, just be ready for anything, <laughs> anything at all to happen. 
<laughs> but come into it with love and a willingness to listen to, because you're not tough conversations are, are, it takes two to tango. And so there may be something you're not seeing as well that needs to, that you need to see so that you can see that person differently to kind of like part the clouds. So I don't know if that's helpful, but that's how I approach it. That is very helpful because a lot of times I have my own story and I see it as it happened this, 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 and this way, because once again, perception right. is everything Yeah, and we're not always in the Goodyear blimp. So we can't see yeah. the entire parade. <laughs> well, and usually tough conversations are happening around, especially if it's in a, a current friendship or a family relationship or someone, you know, and have probably just hurt. So they've done something that's hurt you. And you, sometimes you just need to say that really hurt. And that's all you need to say. It can be mm -hmm. simple. And I think when, when people realize that they've hurt you, then it breaks down that, that wall instead of saying you did this and that was wrong and da, 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 you did that. And that really hurt me. This is what would have been better for me. If you had done it this way, what could I have done better from your perspective? Just go in with a humble heart. We're not, nobody's perfect. Yes. Remembering nobody is perfect. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience about your life, your experience with having tough conversations and realizing that it's not okay to agreeing to disagree is just not enough? I think I've said enough. <laughs> I mean, I absolutely love that title. When I first, because I've always said, well, sometimes we just need to agree to disagree. And then I read that. Right. Title. You know what? Yeah. That's you're right. It's not enough. Yeah. How do we go about moving yep. past this? <laughs> yeah, no. And it's, and it's true. I mean, it is, it's the easy way out for sure, because then we don't have to dig deeper. And I think we touched on this earlier. Like, I feel like we're in a time where we're wanting connection so deeply with other people. And yet we're so scared of it because we're so afraid that people are not going to see us for who we are. But if we can't be the ones showing others who we are, mm -hmm. what are they going to see? So you have to be the one that's willing to put yourself out there. And it's the scariest place to be. And I totally and sometimes you want to do it and sometimes you don't, and that's fine. But if you really want to move forward, I, I feel like it's what you have to do if you, if you want to get beyond that agreeing to disagree. And being vulnerable and opening yourself up, because one of the things I've learned just by doing this podcast is by being vulnerable, by sharing your story and by, sh by storytelling, by by being just who I am, I'm allowing other people to share their story absolutely, and have a voice and be who they are. Yeah. And, and, and that's how connections are made. Exactly. And that's where we find the love. And it's interesting because I was raised Christian, very Christian. And I was raised to believe in everything in the Bible was the truth, the hard truth, you follow the Bible, everything else was a sin. If you went outside the Bible and Jesus was the first one to sit down with the prostitutes, the tax collectors. And he was the first one to say, love thy neighbor. Yeah. And, and he, he was, he believed in love first and foremost. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if he can do it, 
<laughs> it's inside all of us. It's yeah. like we're all recreated in in the same image. I mean, we all have that part of us inside of us. It's just whether or not we want to access it. And it's just the accessing part. I think we're so scared of because we don't want to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And, but then again, what, what kind of life is, is it if you're always living in fear of being seen? So mm-hmm. it's, it's been my life lesson and it will continue to be my life lesson. And I think all of our life lessons are very similar in just letting people see who we are, but I, greatest uh, of these is love. Yeah. So, and we're all, and the one thing that I have learned is what I see in someone else, if I like it or I don't like it, it's usually a reflection of what I like or don't like within myself because my, my wife is a big teacher on this. This is her thing. I totally agree. Yep. Usually people around me are mirrors for myself. Yeah. If there, if there's somebody is triggering me, it's usually because it's something within me that I don't like. That's right. I totally agree. And it's a great perspective to have because then you're empowered to do the work. So it's, it's, I think it's a very helpful tool. Yep. Very much so. Well, one thing that I also ask all of my guests before the end of the show is if you have an hour to sit with someone on a park bench or any bench for that matter, wherever you would like it to be, it could be in Colorado or it could be in Mississippi or it could be anywhere. Who would that person be, whether that person be on this side of the veil or the other side of the veil, and you could talk with them. Who would, who would it be and what would you talk about? I'm going to choose to go with someone on the other side of the veil because there's too many people here that I love so much that I want to choose. I, I think it would be my great-grandmother. I'm named after her. My daughter's named after her. I knew her, but I knew her in her years of Alzheimer's. Hmm. So she never got to know me and I never really got to know her. And I would love to just... My mom's always told me that she was this woman of just kindness. She never spoke an ill word of anyone. And I would just love to just be there with her and feel her energy and know who she was as a person. It would just, I would love that, that would opportunity. Wonderful. Yeah. That would be wonderful. She's probably still Great question. always around you. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I love asking that question because it's a great one. It's so interesting to hear people's responses and what they would ask the question. So, yeah. Well, Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us. And once again, your book coming out in September is held and free. So right. I can't wait to, to, to read it. Now, where can people find you? So go to my website, meganonan.com. M-E-A-G-A-N-O-N-A-N.com. And there's a list there you can subscribe to if you want updates on the book. We've already gone through our pre-sale phase, so that's over. So you won't be able to catch it until it's actually live, but I'll be posting updates and all that kind of stuff. But there's all kinds of good stuff on my website. So wonderful. yeah, I can catch well, it all there. Thank you so much. Well, it was a pleasure having you and thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank Welcome. you for the meaningful conversation. I really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you. And remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time.
see ya.